Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Merry Christmas and welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you. I'm your host, David Menzies. Now, normally we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels, but this is a pre-recorded Rebel Roundup because, well, I'm probably under the Christmas tree searching in vain for presents right now. Gee, I really hope I didn't get stiffed again. So anyway, we're going to run some of our favorite Rebel Roundup interviews of the past year. Leading off is Ezra Levant's scoop of the year about Prime Minister Justin Trudeau actually inviting China to send members of its People's Liberation Army to Canada so that Chinese troops could do some cold weather training at CFB Petawawa in Ontario. This incredible story made headlines around the world, although for some reason, CBC wasn't part of the media snowball. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. And then there was my interview with Andrew Chapados regarding how Goodyear's anti-Trump dress code policy backfired big time. As for letters, you had plenty to say about my visit to Toronto's Dufferin Grove Park last summer when the illegal squatters there, a bunch of Triglypuffs really, were finally given the boot by law enforcement and yes, they sure did throw a hissy fit in the process. Enjoy. My name is Ezra Levant, and I'm a Canadian journalist and author. Full disclosure, I'm a skeptic of Justin Trudeau, Canada's Liberal Prime Minister. Last year, I wrote a book about him called The Libranos. This year, I wrote a book about him called China Virus, how Justin Trudeau's pro-communist ideology is putting Canadians in danger, but even I didn't know the half of it. I've never held a top secret document in my hands before. Uh, this one is marked secret in so many places. In some parts it says Canadian eyes only. Other parts are marked five eyes only. That's the name of our intelligence alliance amongst our closest allies. Canada, plus the United States, the UK, Australia, and New Zealand. I wonder what they're gonna think of all this. The China files, as I call them, are 34 pages long. I didn't steal them or hack them. 
nor were they leaked to me illegally. They were actually just given to me by Global Affairs Canada. That's the official name of the Foreign Affairs Department. You can see the entire document, all the files for yourself, at thechinafiles.com. I'm making the whole thing available to you and to any other reporters who want to report on this. Something tells me Trudeau's CBC state broadcaster is going to skip this one, don't you think? Uh, The documents are not blacked out, as most secret documents are. Normally, you can't read the interesting parts, but not these. They're all just slightly grayed out, so you can still read them. In fact, if you assume that what's grayed out is the stuff they really don't want you to know, it makes the reading even more revealing because you see what they really think is sensitive. Well, folks, it almost sounds like a preposterous fairy tale or something plucked from the files of conspiracy culture. Namely, did Prime Minister Justin Trudeau really invite China's People's Liberation Army to send its troops for cold weather training at CFB Petawawa in Ontario? And did Trudeau really rage at the Canadian Armed Forces for cancelling the training after China kidnapped Canadian citizens Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig? Oh, you bet he did. And please note, this tale is not one being fueled by hearsay or rumor. Rather, it is just one of several stunning bombshell revelations found in our 34-page Access to Information document released by the Trudeau government to Rebel News. And so damning are the contents, I'm betting the Trudeau Liberals right now wish this document never got out. And joining me now with more on what surely must be his scoop of a lifetime at Rebel News is the commander himself, Ezra Levent. You know, Ezra, it sounds so unbelievable, but then again, I keep thinking back to six years ago when Justin Trudeau, just before he became prime minister, remarked in Toronto that China is the basic kind of dictatorship that he admires. Yeah, I mean, Trudeau makes these eruptions every once in a while. Um, You know, he says a gaffe, which of course means he accidentally tells the truth. (laughs) And I think the grown-ups say, oh, he didn't really mean that, or that's just a little flourish, or he got carried away. But looking at these 34 pages, unredacted, redacted is the fancy word of saying blacked out. Normally you get a a document, a secret document from the military, it's blacked out. And and really there's very little useful that's shown because all the good stuff is blacked out. In this case, they only grayed it out, almost like they were using a highlighter. The the reverse of blacking it out. In fact, they sort of showed you what they thought the interesting stuff was. So that's how we got these 34 pages of information from the military and foreign affairs. and, and And what they show is that this Trudeau insanity of admiring China, China his favorite country, appeasing China, submitting to China, that's not just an affectation and it's not just him. That ideology has permeated throughout not only the government, but not only the elected uh, and appointed officials, but the permanent civil service. The people you see in these documents, and if folks want to read them for yourself, we've put them up on the internet at thechinafiles.com. Go through them yourself. These are lifetime, lifelong civil servants who are saying, they're in basically instructing the military, don't cancel any more joint exercises with China. If you talk to China about postponing or canceling anything, you have to run it by us first. When they wanted to cancel these winter warfare exercises, uh, Trudeau's 
bureaucrats said, um, you have to work with us on the wording of that so you don't hurt their feelings, so they don't lose face. So it's not just Trudeau at the top. These aren't just some goofy eccentricity. This has permeated throughout the entire government, civil service, di- diplomatic corps, and they're trying to force it on the military. Yeah. And you can imagine the idea of bringing six to eight Chinese spies, really. Like, who do you think that China would send over? Just some grunt, some GI? Yeah. China would be sending over six to eight spies, I don't know, with photographic memory, with uh, intelligence training. The idea that we would bring them to CFB Petawawa, a very important military base, yeah. and have them there on purpose. And, and they don't even have to hide the fact they're taking notes and taking pictures. They are being trained on purpose. They, they don't even have to be secretive about it. That one was canceled. That's what Trudeau was raging about against the army about. Even crazier, the 17 other exchanges that have not been canceled. In this 34-page document, again, I encourage people to go to thechinafiles.com, see it for yourself. The last two pages are a list of joint China-Canada military projects. There are 18 of them. Only one was canceled that we know about. We are still training Chinese one- and two-star generals. We are still training Chinese colonels. We are sending our soldiers to China. I don't know exactly what they're doing in China, if they're teaching or learning, but obviously they're being spied on. They're being put in situations where they could be compromised with a honey trap, perhaps. You got young, single guys from Canada, far away from home, lonely. Oh, isn't that there's a lovely People's Liberation Army uh, co-ed cadet there who wants to go drinking with me, and before you know it, you're trapped in a honey trap, as they say in the spycraft trade. So all of this is a bad idea. We know that there is a common sense to having some lines of communication open with your enemy. We know that during the Cold War, there was the hotline between Moscow and Washington, sort of that red phone where uh, the American president could talk directly to the Russian um, dictator just to make sure there was no miscommunication. That was yeah. an important, I, I believe in that. I believe that people should know who the other side is just so there's no miscommunication. That's very wise. But why are we training Chinese troops in winter for- warfare tactics? There's nothing de-escalating there. That gives away our, our knowledge that will be used only for bad purposes. If not to attack us, God forbid, or the Americans, God forbid, to attack India. They're fighting India in the Himalayas right now. To attack the Tibetans in Tibet, the Uyghurs in Xinjiang. Um, Why on earth would we give this knowledge, this training to Chinese spies on purpose? And when the chief of defense staff said, we've got to cancel this, oh my God, did Trudeau and the whole government say, how dare you? You're not allowed to make those decisions. Any degrading of relationships, you must run by us first. You can't let the Chinese lose face. It's unbelievable. And this is, of course, while the two Michaels are still in captivity. And, of course, we have to look to our greatest ally, our biggest trading partner, namely the United States of America, Ezra. I can't imagine uh, this was going down well at the Department of Defense there. Well, (coughs) that's right. And, in fact, that is made reference to in these notes because um, the Trudeau side is demanding from the military, why did you cancel this? What's your justification? Yeah. And 
so you can see the back and forth and said, well, there's the knowledge transfer and it's making our allies nervous. So then the Trudeau side said, well, who was it? Was it just the United States and the Trump administration or was it our other five allies, five eyes allies? Five eyes is what they call uh, sort of like the, the best friends of the allies. It's the United States, Canada, the UK, Australia, and New Zealand. The five eyes had sort of like our closest allies, even closer than France or Germany or Italy. It's like an inner sanctum. So we share things amongst the five eyes. And Trudeau was saying, I demand to know who was it who objected? Was it just the Trump administration or other? So so there's an undertone there of whatever Trump wants, do the opposite, unless the Aussies or the Kiwis or the Brits want it too. So lots of pro-China ideology, a fair helping of anti-American ideology, like they specifically demand, was this the Americans? Like they almost say, who made you cancel this? (laughs) And there's one more thing that I just want to note. I read these 34 pages pretty carefully. And the official language used by Global Affairs Canada, that's the foreign department, when they would talk about the problems we have with China, remember how it started. Canada arrested Meng Wanzhou, the billionaire chief financial officer of um, Huawei, when she was transiting through Vancouver and were in the process of extraditing her to the United States. So that led to almost immediate hostage taking by China of two Canadians, Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig. In fact, I think today's the two year anniversary of that, or maybe yesterday was. Um, So that's the backdrop here. But the two Michaels aren't being held in a mansion. No, right? no. They're, <laughs> yeah, it's abs- and they're not being held in a lawful way. Yeah. And it was it, there's a big difference between due process in a democracy like Canada and hostage taking and kidnapping in China. Yeah. What I'm saying is how these bureaucrats describe it. They say, Miss Meng Wanzhou, Miss Meng, always very polite, and Miss Meng this and Miss Meng that. But they won't even use the names Michael Kovrig or Michael Spavor. They say the two consular cases. Ugh. You won't even say they're in jail. You won't even say they were kidnapped or hostage. You won't even say their names. You say, Miss Meng Wanzhou and the two consular cases. What is your problem? What is your malfunction? You won't even say their names. And you claim that their repatriation is your top priority and you can't even say their names? Are we talking to China's? Civil service here or, or Canada's? It, it, it's astonishing, Ezra. And I, I want to go back to the documents themselves because I personally find this interesting from a journalistic perspective. We do all kinds of freedom of information mm. requests. Sometimes you get pages, I'm not kidding, folks, the entire page is black, mm-hmm. right? These are grayed out. Um, so I'm just wondering, was this incompetence on behalf of the bureaucrats sending it to us? Was this a working copy that was meant to be blacked out later? Or was there somebody on the other side, Ezra, that was doing us a favor? Because this was a gift. We finally got to see in an uncensored fashion how this case, uh, you know, how, how this uh, project of having Chinese troops come to Canada was being entertained. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I have... Uh two friends who used to work in the government of Canada who would handle access to information documents, they think this was an error. I have another friend who um, uh, is familiar with diplomatic matters. He says it was possibly a deliberate leak of information, Mm. someone on the inside who was upset. I tend to think it was just a mistake. Okay. Um, And because it's clear that 
that this was a work in progress. Yes. They were sort of circulating this excess information and everyone was, like they would send it to this person, he would black out these, they would send it. So it was sort of the work in progress where everyone, they probably sent this around to five different officials. Everyone was showing, well, I would black out this, I would black out that. Because you could see the different layers of being blacked out. And so it, would pro it was probably supposed to go back to a final person who would flip the switch on all these things and then miss that last step. I'm guessing, because I've never worked inside access information myself, we file literally thousands of access to information yes. requests. It's a full-time project for us. We get back, as you say, very little of use. Yep. They're almost always blacked out. They are always delayed. We have waited as much as three years yes. for a basic document. Jeez. Um, but you know what? We finally got one that mattered and hopefully will change the course of Canada-China relations. Justin Trudeau has been exposed as someone who defends China, abuses America, and literally wanted to train our enemies. Ezra, it's the story of the year as far as I'm concerned. I mean, what an incredible piece you did. And, you know, folks, if you want to see more, please go to thechinafiles.com. And, hey, Prime Minister Trudeau, I just have a question for you. As Ezra said, you're accommodating China, but flipping the metaphorical bird to the United States of America. Whose side are you on? Keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. has apparently been caught lying when they said their anti-MAGA policy going around online didn't come from them at all. After an anonymous whistleblower from Goodyear released this image to the media showing that Black Lives Matter and LGBT pride attire was acceptable, but Blue Lives or All Lives Matter and MAGA attire were unacceptable, Twitter erupted at the double standard. The employee said, quote, the thing that we were given in the presentation was from Akron, Ohio, and we were told is for every Goodyear site, whether it was a plant or store. This even prompted President Trump to chime in online on Twitter saying, don't buy Goodyear tires. They announced a ban on MAGA hats. Get better tires for far less. This is what the radical left Democrats do. Two can play the same game, and we've got to start playing it now. The president calling for a boycott is a huge deal for a company, so obviously Goodyear responded. In their statement, the tire giant claimed, the visual in question was not created or distributed by Goodyear corporate, nor was it a part of a diversity training class. They continued, we appreciate the diverse viewpoints of all of our more than 60,000 associates. We ask associates to not engage in political campaigning of any kind in the workplace for any candidate, party, or political organization, end quote. Unfortunately for Goodyear, there has been some leaked audio from a meeting in Topeka, Kansas, which pretty much says exactly what the leaked photo said all along. Pride on their face covering shirts or wristbands, that will be deemed approved because it complies with zero tolerance stand. However, if any associate wears all blue White Lives Matter shirts or face coverings, that will be not appropriate. And that's why you never show all your cards right away. So supporting BLM is okay, Trump or police support is not okay according to Goodyear. Even by their own statement, Goodyear seems to think that Black Lives Matter is not a political statement or organization, but saying all lives or blue lives matter is. It's weird how that works. It doesn't make any sense to me. So is Goodyear lying and just got caught? Or are they completely clueless? Or maybe is it a little bit of both? Astonishing on so many levels. First, a company picking and choosing the proper politics and ideology for its employees to support, and then getting caught in a bold-faced lie, and then doing some quick backtracking, 
well, sort of. Joining me now with more on this sordid story is Andrew Chapados. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Thank you. I believe this is my second appearance on the coveted David Menzies <laughs> Rebel Roundup. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad you could make it, Andrew. And Andrew, here's the thing. Um, why in the world did Goodyear wade into this PR fiasco? I thought the idea of a tire company is to make, market, and sell tires, not to get involved in politics in the first place? What I find usually happens is that these there's got to be somebody in the public relations department or somewhere up there in Goodyear where they've been on Twitter, so they think that everything everyone supports Black Lives Matter, and it's a great political or a great marketing move for them to say this is great, everybody will join in and we'll all get along and we'll probably get more money for supporting Black Lives Matter. So somebody probably thought, oh, it's a good idea. It means no harm. Everybody agrees with it. Little do they know, or maybe they do know, I don't know, uh, that it is a political organization. Yep. They need to stop pretending. In their statement, they say they don't allow employees to wear stuff that supports political groups or political candidates. But that's exactly what Black Lives Matter is. It's not a grassroots movement. Uh, it's well-funded organization. And as everybody knows now, their donations go to Democrat campaigns. Yeah, and you know, let's be very clear. When you say Black Lives Matter as a generic statement, well, of course, uh, uh, every reasonable person agrees with that as much as you'd agree that white lives matter, Asian lives matter, uh, Hindu lives matter, however you want to frame it, all lives matter, but the actual organization, this is something beholden to Marxism, to anarchists. Um, it, it is a very odious anti-democratic organization. It, 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 it you know, fuels itself on the violence we see happening in so many American cities right now. So the idea that you know, Goodyear was ostensibly saying, or their executive team, that this is just a, a statement of solidarity, uh, speaking out against racial inequity and racial injustice. No, it's not. Well, that's what they do with everything. Black Lives Matter, you can't disagree with that. And anti-fascist, you can't disagree with that. It goes right up to Women's March, which is founded by a terrorist, amongst <laughs> other people, but one of them a terrorist looking up. Speaking Linda Sarsour? No, there's another woman who is a convicted terrorist. She was a getaway driver in a terrorist act, and she committed um, immigration fraud. She's been since removed from the placards, the Wikipedia page and everything. Wow. And then there's Children's March. Uh, it's all just names to cover for uh, communism, essentially. I mean, I hate to just be like, cause so cut and dry like that, because everything's either fascism or communism now. But this is what it is. Black Lives Matter admits that they're Marxists. They have on their website, destroy the nuclear family unit. They're obviously anti-police. They want to defund police. None of, that, none of that gets mentioned. It's just, it's a nice phrase, you guys. You don't believe it? Like the people in the restaurants, raise your fist or we're going to yell at you some, by some <laughs> scrawny teenagers who don't know what they're talking about. Now, it should be noted, uh, Andrew, um, Goodyear's CEO, Rich Kramer, he said uh, several days ago, the company had clarified its policy to make it clear that employees can wear apparel expressing support for law enforcement. Um, and of course, this is in reaction to the, the boycott announced by President Trump. That's serious stuff, especially when your shares fall 6% overnight. But um, missing from this is whether an employee can wear a MAGA hat or not. Now, uh, on the flip side, 
uh, Goodyear says it has a long-standing policy of asking employees of refraining from working place expressions of support for any political candidates. Well, uh, a MAGA hat isn't a specific political candidate, of course. It's a political movement. So the retraction, the clarification, it's very hazy to me. I'm not actually sure if I work for Goodyear what I can and cannot wear. What do you make of this? I would assume by the wording, as you would with any lawyer's letter or legal document like that, when they say something like that, when they're suggesting it, it means that they can't force you. We're thinking about suing you. And <laughs> I think what they would say in the MAGA defense or the point that you just made is that they would argue, well, obviously you support Trump if you're a MAGA person, but they wouldn't allow such nuance on the other way. They wouldn't allow you to wear something else and say, well, this is obviously a DNC or a communist thing. Yeah. I don't think they would allow room for that argument on the other side because no one ever does. And as an employer, you do have the right to implement uh, dress code standards. There, there's no question about that. But you can't say, well, this political movement, this ideology, okay, this one, not okay. That, that is completely offside. And, you know, that's why I think the president called for the boycott. And, you know, there was the blowback, of course, Andrew was saying, hey, Goodyear's an American company. They're based in Akron, Ohio. There's a plant there. That, you know, with this, uh, with this kind of a boycott, Americans risk being thrown out of uh, work. How dare, you, you know, the president do this? I say, no, no, no. What these employees, what these Goodyear tire dealers should be doing who might be hurting from this is going to their executives, you know, at Goodyear corporate and going, what the hell were you guys thinking? <laughs> well, yeah, um, people could get other tires. And the thing about this is why they're backtracking so much is they have contracts with tons of police departments. And one of the quotes from somebody who represented, um, I forget where, a police department, they said, you'll let our tires wear down by us protecting you but then you'll stab us in the back with these type of statements i'm paraphrasing that's essentially what it was you could yeah. well we're allowed to use your tires but you won't publicly endorse us essentially and they're still pretending black lives matter is not a political organization in this statement uh you know and, and that is ludicrous and, and you raise a good point too uh think of the thousands and thousands of American law enforcement vehicles that are probably uh, a large chunk of them buying Goodyear tires. If, if you're in charge of procurement with a police force, or is, is Goodyear uh, at the top of your list right now? Or maybe you're looking at competitors like Bridgestone and Toyo and Hankook and what have you. They provide tires for President Trump's motorcade, I'm pretty sure. That's right. They have in the past, yeah. So how hard would it to be for them to just switch the contract? There is some executives, some high-up Goodyear people, going into many police departments and probably the White House and apologizing until, I don't know, their gums bleed or something. A hundred percent. Well, you know, Andrew, was a great commentary. And you know, folks, I'll tell you, I think the ostensible reason for a business to be in business is to make money. It's to return shareholder value. It is a business after all, not a political institution. Now in recent years, a lot of big companies have adopted something called uh, CSR, corporate social responsibility. But that's, and traditionally that's all been about raising money for charities like uh, breast cancer or what have you. This idea of a company going, wading into the weeds of uh, politics, well, look what happened to them. Let's hope this is a cautionary tale uh, for other companies out there that this is, a, this is territory that is rife with danger. Keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this.
Another thing that becomes evidently clear, folks, is that although it's called Afro-Indigenous Rising, where are the Afros? Where are the Indigenous? Um, the vast majority of these people are Lily White Gender Studies graduates. And uh, I guess in 2020, being a female or someone who identifies as being female and taking off your top, that's taking it to the man. Oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. I'm just reading your breast. What does that say exactly? It says no justice, no peace. Now, are, are, do you identify as Afro or Indigenous? I identify as an ally who realizes that my ancestors colonized this country and I want to be a part of the solution. And what is the solution exactly? The solution is abolishing the police. The police. Abolishing the police. Yes. You seem like a nice lady to me. If you ever got in trouble with some ruffian and you had to call for assistance, yeah, what would you do? Up by the police instead. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you would surrender the city to the bullies, the thugs, the criminals? The thugs. Okay, then. And so now how hopeful are you of actually getting the police abolished? It doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Eight. How many percent? Yeah, maybe be a better media source than if you don't know the numbers. I think that was a greased pig that just walked by. No, not the topless woman, the one that squealed. <laughs> weak What's that, sir? How's you a stupid weak motherfucker? You call me a stupid something mother effer. Weak. Oh, weak. Yeah. Why are we weak? Get tired from making that eating grin all the time. Oh, you don't like me grinning? What? Why? Why is everybody here perpetually angry? Bad faith argument all the time. You're grinning at us like, tell me some more. You have no interest in anything we have to say. You have the mic right now, sir. What? What do you want to say? Go away. Okay, but I'm in a public park. I'm not allowed to be here. Why are you wearing a mask? Why am I wearing a mask? You're not wearing a mask. Well, I'm not afraid of uh, being identified, sir. How about yourself? That's not what I... I'm talking about a pandemic. People are f***ing dying. What, the, what are you talking about? You're coming here and you're getting in my face. Give me space, please. Well, you came to me, sir. You came to me. I understand that, but I'm asking you to back up. All right. Are you going to follow me if I back up? No, I will not follow you. No, that's fine. Now, what do you want to say? Give me my space. I don't really want to talk to you because you. Okay. I have nothing to say to you. So you approach me, but you don't want to talk about anything. Fantastic. Yeah. This is the logic progress of the far left, folks. They approach you, they scream at you, and then when you ask them, what are you here for? They have nothing to say. And so the two week long illegal occupation of Dufferin Grove Park in Toronto ended not with a bang, but with a squeal. <laughs> so much anger, so few unable to articulate themselves and well, just too many gender studies graduates and Antifa wannabes with absolutely nothing to do with their lives but camp out in a park in a filthy tent city. Well, <laughs> goodbye and good riddance. In any event, here's what you had to say about Toronto's latest Afro-Indigenous rising encampment being given the boot. Scott Calloway writes, Normally I am against censorship, but today I applaud the small fuzzy circle. Yes, Scott, you really don't want to see what was behind those fuzzy dots, trust me. The Demo Piano writes, for the record, these people are misrepresenting Indigenous people. I am full blood treaty Indian. Yes, for a long time we were called Indian. And I believe in law and order. I like the police. They protect me. These protesters certainly don't speak for me 
or represent my views. Hey, Demo Piano, you are my kind of Indian. Tamara Fletcher writes, I'm gay and I want nothing to do with these insane people. I hate that I am even in the same alphabetical lineup as them. Sickening. Well, Tamara, you are my kind of lesbian. David85 writes, when did the gathering of the Juggalos come to Toronto? Oh, David85, how dare you insult the Juggalos? MC Murdoch writes, I honestly can't tell if you used a soundboard for the pig squeal or not. You know, MC, we knew we'd get a comment or two like that. That squeal was surreal, but I swear to you, it was not enhanced. That blimpy guy actually could squeal like a pig going to the slaughterhouse. Hey, maybe he has a career as a voice actor. Acid Techno 303 writes, Ha ha ha, David knows exactly how to trigger the imbeciles. His questioning is top drawer. Sir, it doesn't take much to trigger these intellectual giants. Just asking these people the time of day is potentially triggering. Chris Whitling writes, Man, I identify as politically left, but to see these guys getting up in David's face like this, we're better than this, man. Like, I just can't believe how poorly they make their arguments. It's just really hard for me to see the way they treat him in these videos. Stay safe out there, David. Hey, thanks, Chris. I take it that you are perhaps a classical liberal. I respect that, but tell me, what in bull blue hell has happened to liberalism of late? And Jason S. writes, abolish the police, then goes and cries to the police because they got misgendered, L-M-A-O. Yes, that happened toward the end of the video, folks, by a person who was offended thanks to me misgendering him, her, it. When I sought clarification on the proper gender, they were further offended and then asked the police to charge me with a hate crime due to their hurt feelings. That's right, these folks don't want real police upholding the real law, but they love the idea of thought police coming down hard on those asking impolite questions. Oh, to quote the Wicked Witch of the West during meltdown mode, what a world, what a world. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.